0: Hello and welcome to The Week at Work. I'm your host this week, David Gibney. and joined by my co-host, Conor McCabe. Um, we have a new slogan for the show uh, to kick off. We're going to run with it every week from now on, hopefully. But we're going to refer to ourselves as The Week at Work. The only straight-cut, class-conscious, revolutionary mouthpiece of democracy in Ireland. Uh, a wonderful find by uh, my colleague, um, Conor McCabe, during the week, which he tweeted about. But... Uh, a reference to a, a James Connolly publication of the, the Workers' Republic. Um, straight to it, though, as we normally do, we cover the, the weekly news. We're part of, sorry, before we go on, we're part of Left Block, the um, political education and alternative media project, if you want to know more about us, uh, or if you want to put your hand in your pocket and help support our project. Um you could do so by going to patreon.com forward slash left block. And also we got some really positive feedback from last week's show, um, uh, around a few issues actually. And look, just to say, if, if you're enjoying our show, do us a favor, share it with other people, tweet it, share it on Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media outlet you're on, and just let people know that we're out there because obviously we rely mostly on word of mouth. Um, Without further ado, we'll get into the news from the weekend and from the weekend's papers, and I'll go straight to you, Connor, to, to let us know what stories you've been looking at.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, I've been going through the uh, the kind of kind of Business Post, and I got into last week where um, we had said that there was no coverage of the Ashley kind of of Mor- the Ashley kind of Murphy kind of case, but actually there was. They had one small kind of article in their. It, in that kind of lifestyle and features kind of magazine, which I don't get for some reason out here in, in like <laughs> Um so, so I didn't see it isn't here kind of this week either. But they've certainly pulled out the, the, the stops kind of, you know, kind of this week. There are one, two, three, four, but about four or five articles that deal with the wider issues that have, that have come up um, through the murder, the the shocking kind of murder of Gnash and kind of Murphy. Um, so one is like, you know, there's, so they covered that, you know, this, this idea that, that, that kind of violence against women, it's rooted, like in a spectrum of male, like behavior. And, um, and then there's kind of Willie O'Reilly, who's talking about how the media covered the case and the leaking of the details of the first kind of suspect, um, who was completely innocent, and even of the second kind of suspect now. Uh, and then it's kind of Elaine born um, who says that a, bit of a strange one uh, she says that the culture of discrimination won't change until men tired of it uh, all too. She says that you know uh, that um, that only men's help will change the uh, culture. She has good words for Konhi kind of who who last week had that kind of a uh, violent, shocking kind of, um, you know, kind of message that, that, uh, that, that, that if Morphy Murphy had Mace, she would still be alive. And, um, she says that, uh, Helia Ray has, has changed his, his, uh, his tune now. And like, even he is now a, a kind of new man. Um, the couple stories uh, that you cover and there's about four or five here. Uh, there's really only one. It's, it's by Katchikana Sands who who covers uh, from a kind of structural kind of issue. You know that she says that you know sh- she talks about just a lack of like, legal guidance um, and supports for uh, for victims of of um, of violence in in terms of of rape and also in in terms of like, domestic violence at um, at home as well, a realm of it's it's an individual kind of male kind of behaviour almost, you know, and um, not actually saying that you know that there are, there are serious kind of problems here. Um, a good example of this is is actually just to kind of jump papers is we kind of Colin Murphy in the Sunday Community Independent, um, who's talking about single sex kind of schooling, and he's saying that, that this that is not an kind of anecdote to where. Pervasive uh, toxic kind of masculinity. So again, like I said, I last week. And um, he starts off by grounding the story in his own kind of life um, experience and, and and talking about going to a private all boys school, like in the 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 nineteen eighties. Um, but again, like going back to kind of Michelle's point, like last week about you know. What men can do in this whole kind of debate, and um, it, 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 it the, the what kind of Michelle it was talking about was that, well, one area it isn't the only, but like, one area it's in terms of um arguing for and campaigning for structural change and anti capitalist kind of structural change, but but also in terms of like policy as well. Um, Colin Murphy's just not there yet, you know, and um like he talks about you know uh at the sharp end of toxic masculinity is porn and then he talks about kind of porn and you know how how that kind of feeds into this kind of uh toxicity i'm not sure that pornography is the reason why there are zero uh, domestic uh, violence kind of refuge kind of centers in nine counties in ireland mm. you know um that Ireland has 30% of its, of the minimum standard that it has signed up to in terms of spaces. That's down to government policy, you know? So, you know, so like, you know, like he's not going into the kind of structural kind of issues that are there in like in this. And when he does deal with kind of structural issues, he, he talks about, you know, you know, how like, um a lot of issues around kind of the family in Ireland and you know uh raising families and you know how these things happen. It goes back to the famine and, and at one point he says that um uh that ireland it's an outlier uh in terms of, of respects, aspects they' relating but relations uh, there between the uh, the sexes, and he, uh, and he says that you know in the nineteen fifties Ireland had the lowest kind of mar- uh, the lowest kind of marriage rate. The, the highest proportion of the married men in the nineteen uh, you know like in the forties, and the highest uh, fertility there but the kind of of marriage. Um, he says that the conventional thesis is that these trends could be traced. By the uh, famine, you know, it's <laughs> a a real problem. You know, like it's a it's it's something that we've all kind of come across that there's a that there's some kind of a collective kind of trauma that we all have from the famine, you know, and that it's passed down to our DNA. You know, it's in housing, it's in kind of marriage rate, it's in the highest fertility rate in Europe at the time. In part, you know. It was down to the 1925 Criminal Law Amendment Act, and uh, like in particular uh, Section 17, which banned the the sale and importation of contraceptives. Mm. Like it just banned them. So you know it banned any instrument, appliance, drug, a, a preparation, or thing, it, and I'm according from the Act here now, that is designed, prepared. Unintended to prevent uh, by pregnancy, they're resulting from sexual like, intercourse, they're between kind of human beings. Um, 1935, this isn't famine. This is a fall government, in, in like 1935, bringing in church kind of doctrine as national kind of state law. That's the state we live in. That's the state that we live in today, still. Um, he talks about toxic masculinity, but doesn't talk about how, what was the what's the institutional kind of uh, response to the mother and baby homes where they, uh, they bring out what has been deemed to be a whitewash kind of report they uh, the last year. That isn't down to the famine.
2: Mm.
1: That's down to what's happening kind of today. There are problems with bringing up things which are part of toxic masculinity, including porn and single-sex kind of skills. But if you don't bring up all the other stuff, what are you really going to talk about here? He isn't talking about the deep kind of class kind of uh, dynamics of the Irish state, how it is embedded in in the actual bones of the state itself. It's, it's as if, and I'll finish on this point because I have been kind of ranting on a bit, but like, it's like this is something that really kind of, you know, kind of, um, you know, it really kind of, it's it, it drives me just a bit nuts. It isn't just on the right, but it's on it, 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 the left as well. There's a lack of a of a of a kind of theoretical understanding of the nature of the Irish state itself. Mm. And um, Colin Murphy doesn't have
2: it.
1: Um, I wouldn't quite expect him to, but but because of that, and um, he's a good kind of sounding board for kind of showing where these kind of problems are. But it's on, it's on the, it's like, the, like there are elements, there are elements of it in terms of the Irish left, you know, kind of analysis as well. It's so like, in the absence of the nature of the state, how the Irish state works, how it thinks, how it operates, how it, it protects itself, even down to, it's, it's slightly off topic here, but down to how we said two weeks back, how, um, uh, is it Paul Reid again? I always forget his name, but the yeah. guy who's had of the... HSC, sold, yeah. So like Paul Reed, he's paid half a million a year. His job is to hold a line, mm. is to make sure that there's no serious kind of structural change that will that will really kind of affect the the uh, the artificial kind of scarcity that's that's been injected into the Irish kind of health system because that artificial kind of scarcity leads to profit. And they have done it. Like 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 you know, like like all this week has been job done. It's it's like Bush after after kind of um they look around, or sorry kind of in, like after Iraq in about two thousand and two or four its job done now they have they have held the line for a fucking two years and the prophecy kind of strategies have been protected. They uh, you know so that's a long way of saying that what's missing in these papers, even when they have very intelligent, smart, liberal people looking at Colin Murphy even with them, that lack of an understanding of the nature of the state of our history and how that history kind have relates its way into our lives today limits their ability to really get a grasp on what is needed going forward. Mm. And that was a broadcast on behalf of the <laughs> Communicate Party. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was, if, 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 if there's anyone still listening, there are folks here.
0: Well, I, I, you're on a similar page to me because. Uh... The papers I read, I read parts of the business post, but I focused more this week on the Irish Times from yesterday and the Sunday Times today. And what I found really interesting is um, well, the Irish Times yesterday didn't have an awful lot at all now. But today's Sunday Times is dominated completely by gendered violence and um, stories, not just Ashling Murphy, which there's a, a fair bit of output, even on the front page. Uh, Justine McCarthy has a, an article, End Child Access for Abusers, TD Pleads. Um, and this is a Sinn Féin TD who was stabbed 13 times by her estranged husband, um, Pauline Tully, um, from Kilnaleck in Cavan. But she she suffered a punctured lung and four broken fingers in the attack, and Macaulay, her... Um, Ex-husband it was sentenced to 12 years for the attack, with two suspend. Actually, originally given four of those years suspended, um, but on appeal it was reduced. The they reduced the four to two. But uh, what's really shocking about this article is that um, she's worried, and this happens fairly frequently, according to them, that when her abuser gets out of prison, that the judge is going to force her children to spend time with their father who they witnessed him beating her up regularly and all Mm. the rest of it. And Rose Conway Walsh and May O.T.D. stood up on the doll and, and spoke during the week about this and said there are too many judgments being made where it is known that there have been violent relationships and where the children of the perpetrators of violence are made to go and meet those same people. And when you talk about, you know, policy stuff, that's stuff that can be influenced by Political decisions. That's that's the state uh, making decisions that you can force children to go and spend time with. Like it's not even it's it's beyond abuse. He stabbed her thirteen times, and she's now worried that she's going to have to hand her kids over to to this man when he gets out of prison. Um, but uh, that that article goes on again inside. But w- w- just getting to your point, Justine McCarthy in her piece, which I need to get to the page. I don't know which page it is, but she's making the exact same point as you. Um, that this now job done attitude you know we spent a week of outrage a week of um going oh this is awful uh you know we need to stop this uh and and her at the heading in her um opinion piece today is Ashling's death means nothing without change and she's saying it's vital to keep up the pressure on the government to address male violence right um and one of the things that she opens up the article, and I think it's an interesting point, is now that they've got um, an accused and he's in custody and they're questioning him. And and we saw this all over social media during the week. Like, we need to be very careful about what's said because he's, you know, you don't want to get this thrown out from court. Mm. Um, so she's saying that is causing huge problems for them to address the issue of male violence because now everybody's going, right, okay, we need to be quiet. We need to be careful what we say. And... Um, and and it's holding back the real conversation that needs to happen uh, from from a lot of people like it's and it's almost like now that that story has to be buried when it's not the case that it has to be buried it just means we have to be more careful about what we say but um just on that like there's i mean five six pages on male violence against uh, women in this and it's ranges of different um different sort of angles on it, including women surge to self-defense classes as clubs offer free lessons. Like, you know, then there's the interesting article here by Mark Teig and John Mooney saying online warriors can save the day or ruin someone else's. And what I found really fascinating and strange with this article, and it's about, um, Radu Floricel. Um, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, but the guy who was arrested wrongly, um, and then they're saying social media outed an innocent man and awfully,
1: but can I'm help fu- cheek.
0: <laughs> the cheek is social yeah. media. Yeah. So you you've you've copped what I spotted. I underlined this immediately This is the subheading social media outed an innocent man in and awfully. Um now how social media managed to get the, <laughs> the name of this guy, where he lived, and everything else is beyond me. But the fact that it was covered <laughs> by multiple media outlets, his name was covered by multiple media outlets with his history. Um you know his 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 uh, his own personal history and legal history, all published in, in in major newspapers. This didn't come from social media, but everybody knows where it came from. So, uh, but that's the angle that the Sunday Times have gone with on that part of it of the leaking of the stuff. And then there's an article beside that, um, a full page uh, to end this culture of abuse for men. Let's start with boys, um, which. To be honest, I haven't read through the whole lot, but just in terms of the policy stuff and the sentence and stuff, 10 years ago this year, I wrote an article. If you remember this story, uh, Connor, uh, Anthony Lyons, who was a a businessman who sexually assaulted a a 28-year-old woman there on uh, Griffith Avenue um, when she was on her way home from a a club or something, um, and he, he... He was allowed to purchase his way out of jail. He was given a €75,000 fine. And then they gave him, I think it was uh, uh, a three-year sentence, but they suspended, on appeal, I think it was, they suspended... Uh, six everything but six months. We ended up having to spend six months and it was only because of the appeal. And that same week, Glenn Humphrey was the name of a man who was convicted of brutally beating three women in a fish and chip shop in Finglas. He knocked one of the women to the floor and stamped on her body. His penalty was a three-year suspended sentence and a €12,000 fine. In June of that year, another man was convicted of seven counts of sexual assault. He received a three-year prison sentence with half of it, 16 months being suspended. Um, and then And then two weeks before I wrote the article, another man, Eamon Harkin, was sentenced to beating up his then girlfriend, Danielle Kerrigan, for more than 90 minutes on Valentine's night. He only stopped his attack to get a drink of water, and he beat her so badly that he left a a print of his shoe on her body. He had a two-year prison sentence substituted for 240 hours community service. Now, there's stuff that can be done around policy that can address this type of thing. And I know it's been raised by multiple people over the last week or week and a half. But the sentencing is farcical in this country when it comes to that. There's a whole range, I listed off in that article, a whole range of different attacks that took place against women. One of which, I don't know if you remember this one as well, another high profile story where a woman who was deaf and a man broke into her house and raped her in front of her children. And he got a suspended sentence, but he flicked a cigarette at her on the train on the way home. And he got a... a, 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 a custodial sentence for flicking the cigarette at her. Like, this is, this is nuts. This type of policy stuff is nuts and could easily be addressed if there was an appetite to address it, but unfortunately, there doesn't appear to be. And I, I'll, I'll raise this one, right, about how it can be addressed. In Scotland, if you assault a retail worker, and this, there's a gendered element to this as well, if you assault a re- retail worker, it's considered aggravated assault automatically so that the judge has to sentence, give a harsher sentence because that person was in work. And now it's only in Scotland, it's not across the rest of the UK at this minute in time, but we're looking to bring something similar in here. But you can give guidelines to judges to make sure that the sentence in is harsher. It's just something that there doesn't appear to be appetite to, to, to do So that that's um, that's my little rant around this stuff over as well and um, the only thing I wanted to raise uh, in particular uh, to wrap up this bit from my end is there's an article on page 12 of the Irish Times yesterday. And you might have come across this yourself online, but thousands signed petition to halt closure of North's only hostel for homeless women. Um, so this is the residents and staff at the North's only hostel uh, for, for homeless women have um, said they are fearful of what might happen to vulnerable women if the facility closes. And um, so this is a, a facility in Belfast. And. Um, and it's, as, it's, as I said, it's it's the only one for women. But uh, the staff inside um, in sort of a protest are members of Unite and they've decided they're going to stay there and they're not going to leave uh, until there's, uh, you know, some sort of alternative or replacement or whatever brought in. But it's down to the cost of upgrading the building. It's going to cost half a million pounds um, and there's no provision being made. Um, but uh, it says, you know, in the article that this, the, the, this particular place has... Uh, a space for a maximum of 21 residents uh, and currently three remain. But it provides support to homeless women as well as women who have suffered from addiction, trafficking, sexual abuse and domestic abuse. So it's bringing that whole story back on. In the week after the death of Ashley Murphy, people are, you know, and I, I haven't seen a huge amount of uh, about this, but I have seen a, a few comrades up north talking about it on social media. But if I, I didn't, it's where these type of stories didn't exist but I think like it's just it's so it's rubbing salt into the wounds to do something like that in, in such a week where they're going to close a, the only homeless hostel for women who are you know um, in vulnerable situations so I, I don't know if you wanted to comment on any of that or move on to any other stories there Connor.
1: just one kind of small point just going back to the Sunday Times, times um, so, so they're covering the whole kind of um, the violence against women story today in the newspaper yeah so they're covering it yeah okay so like what i find interesting there is that i presume that they're giving this loads about you know zero tolerance and, and they need to have a kind of zero tolerance kind of approach and cultures need to change and men's attitudes yeah, like need to change so, like that's the usual kind of stuff so it's so i reckon that's that's what's happening here as well is it or Largely so, yeah. Yeah, well, like, if that's the case, then why did the editor of the Sunday Times last week decide to print a piece by Owen slot saying that Paddy Jackson needs to be rehabilitated using Mm -hmm. that word? Mm -hmm. Like, if we're talking about zero tolerance, then, like, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk like that's here. Why is the editor of the Sunday Times? putting out pieces for clicks because I mean this is a business here Mm -hmm. he's putting out you know stuff saying that Paddy Jackson should be brought in like back into the Irish team because he's he's playing well Mm -hmm. as if that's the as if that's the criteria here so if you go again going back to all these pieces from the from from the editorial board of the um, of the Sunday Times they print all these things we need new men a new attitudes, zero kind of tolerance. Well, that starts at home, lads.
2: Mm-hmm. That
1: starts in your own kind of shop. So mm. it's what you're doing there. Like, how how dare they <laughs> try and take some kind of high model ground while giving oxygen to a puff piece to, like, the the behavior and the texts and the language of Paddy Jackson were not contested by him. The charges were. Mm. But the way that he Behaved was not contested by him. Mm. So, so does he get a free pass for that? Like, well, Owen Slot thinks he does. And obviously the like Sunday Times thinks he does, because I mean, they can go down kind of this line of, well, it's, it's up for debate. You cannot say on one hand, the time for debate is over. This is not up for debate. We need to change attitudes here while at the same time giving oxygen to the very type of toxic kind of attitudes that you're saying that you're against.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. like it is, it's just, it's, 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 it's nonsense of it this. And it's, again, it just shows just how, I don't know. Um, there's a yeah. line in, there's a line in Shakespeare. First thing we do is kill all the lawyers. And then we should write that, <laughs> we write that for the politicians and for journalists. Because I mean, like the hypocrisy here, you know, I mean, like, like, like that. That's that's the type of stuff here where this is on your watch. This is your shop. You know what I mean? Like, you make the like rules here, wherever. Don't be pointing that kind of one finger saying that that I just have to change. What? what at the same time saying that a like, Paddy Jackson should get a pass because yeah. he's he, because he plays sports well.
2: Yeah, I mean.
0: There, there, on a positive note around some of this stuff, I read, well, I, I say positive, a slightly positive note. Uh, there's an article on page two uh, time off on paid leave for domestic violence victims. And this is Roderick O'Gorman, the children's minister, is to introduce paid work leave for victims of domestic violence to give them time to restructure their lives after leaving an abusive partner. I, I just find it bizarre that we've, it's it's 2022 and this is only coming in now. Um, yeah. Where did he
1: stay? Where did he stay when they leave?
0: This is this the, the thing. problem. Yeah. Like you
1: know, like by like the spaces aren't there. This goes back. I'm sorry for jumping in, but but like you know, this goes back to the, you know, to the like like talk about cynical. Like I mean, this will cost them. The cost of this would be quite low, right? Because it's a it's a such a welfare kind of payment. So it'd be 200 and three euros, right? Like you know, so, so they've done all the maths. It'd be cheaper. Doesn't give kind of this payment. Give him some headlines rather than actually sit down and build those spaces and actually build them, build those spaces. Nine counties in Ireland have no spaces, nine counties. Mm. Hundreds of thousands of the women have no coverage whatsoever for this.
2: And to
0: provide adequate so coverage, it's what, 147 million, isn't that? From memory, that's what you said. 150,
1: last week. 160 maybe, yeah, yeah. And, right. that's, and, and then that's it. That's it. That's it. That's Ireland up, uh, you know, up to its legal, uh, its, its international kind of, like commitments. And then there's an ongoing kind of, you know, cost of around 30 million. Like in terms of like staff costs, right? So they could do this. They could do this. They could, he could sign off. They could sign off on this like in the morning, but they won't yeah. do it because it, it goes back to, you know, um, going back to the earlier stuff where they talk about how, you know, there's a glass ceiling for women and, you know, how they need to have kind of, uh, you know, kind of issues. Well, childcare costs, crashes you know, these are the things that these are the structural kind of barriers to to kind of equality that are yeah. out there. You know, so like just move the study on from the from the violence kind of aspect to in terms of just general equality. These are the barriers that are there. Yeah. And yet they are holding the line. They, they're giving out piecemeal kind of their payments. Where would the women stay? There is a housing crisis at the moment. Where where hmm. are they going to, where where do they and or their little children go?
2: Hmm. I you just I mean? like I have, I re-
1: does he does he tackle this at all like in the article?
0: Uh, no, no, not really. Um, it it. it it's one of those ones where it's a well-meaning uh, intention behind it and all the rest of it. But this entitlement will support those in abusive relationships to take time away from work in order to leave their abusive partner without fear of of income loss or risk of disciplinary sanctions yeah. from the, their employer for missed work. So um, I don't think... it. I I, I, look, this is an article in the paper, so there could be provisions within the law, within the legislation. No, listen, no, no, no. going, Going back to your point, there is nowhere in certain counties for people to go to escape this stuff without having to go, you know potentially 50 or 100 miles away from their, their home. But what I want, the reason I asked you the question about finances on that, of was right beside the story in yesterday's Irish Times on the North's only hostel for homeless women being closed, right beside it, touching on that article is Ganley, Declan Ganley, entitled The Half of Legal Costs in COVID Challenge. He spent half a million euros taking a legal case uh, on the basis that he was being restricted from going to church Right, in the middle of a pandemic, saying that that was breaching his right to worship, uh, which is protected in the Constitution. Maybe he lost the case, and they've awarded him half of his cost. So 250 grand is just, with with the click of a switch, is, is handed over there, but there's resistance to 150... 150- or so million, which could provide an out for so many women that are in the abusive relationships and it's just, nobody bats an eyelid about the, the, the money that Ganley's getting, but, uh, and I know they're not related stories, it's just the finances beside each other when you see it, it's just so infuriating. So sorry I interrupted you there.
1: No, like, you know, it just goes back to, you know, if you see this as a structure, like you mean, like, there is a need for schemes like that, but they'll only work if they're in tandem with the needs for the structural kind of infrastructure for the physical physical buildings that are needed as well and you can't have one without the other you need both Mm. and and like like if if the if cabinet if the government is not doing that then you're going well whose whose interests are being served here you know
2: yes
0: yeah well will we move on I mean what I I don't know. Have you got any other stories you wanted to move on to or
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, well just going on to that, like uh, there's a couple of more in the in the in the Sync business post. Um there's one around kind of uh, like it says that well actually on housing, be, be, but because we'd bother up, um but Killian Woods is still he's single-handedly kind of restoring your faith in Legar's like, journalism. We won't shoot him. We'll keep him going. (laughs) (laughs) He's all right. He's, he, he. you know, he, he, he gets a pass, but like, um, but like, but he's doing kind of great work, you know, and like, like he is, like it's really good stuff. And, you know, just week in and week out, he is consistent, but he has a really good article uh, as always in the business post on, on what exactly is an, affordable home and who benefits from the definition. And the core of it is what we've been saying here is that the the the, the main problem with the definition of cost rental and affordable housing and affordable rents is that it's based not on income but on profits. It's based on kind of securing kind of profitability rather than genuine affordability. He does a couple of things which I would kind of disagree with. He says that he says that that generally speaking, a home is affordable if the occupants' housing costs, including utilities, are no more than than 30% of their gross income. That that implies that every household needs to be a couple which right. yep. is not the case. You know, there's a, it, like, I forget the figures, but there are large numbers of people who are, who live alone. And, you know, so, and, and in a kind of rent crisis. So like that's, that was brought in, like in Ireland in the 1980s or to 1990s, where you changed it from, um, it was 25% of, or, 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 you know, like of your, uh, wage income to a to a couple's income. So, but apart from that kind of small point, his overall kind of analysis that has been put forward, and by those who he interviews, is that the main problem with the government's kind of plans and the, and the definitions of cost rental and affordable housing is that they are there. They are they are designed to to protect uh, profits, not to protect those who are either buying and are kind of renting. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the other stories that I picked out today was the uh, front page of the Business Post. I, d- I didn't um, get to read through the whole paper because I was reading two others. But uh, Donahue defends ending of wage subsidy scheme as he predicts spending boom. Um, and this is related, I suppose, to everything else that was in the papers yesterday around emergency over. I mean, the front page of the Irish Times... Uh, gives six thousand and eighty-seven deaths. Big numbers up the top, right? Six thousand eighty-seven deaths. One point one million total confirmed cases. It actually gets into specifics: one million one hundred thirty-four thousand five hundred forty-eight uh, total confirmed cases and six hundred eighty-one days of restrictions. Quote: emergency over. And of a problem with how it's being displayed. It's like there will be no more deaths. Or there will be no more cases. That's the sort of impression you get from it, but obviously that's not that's not the case at all. Um, And I know people have raised these points on social media about this: is the 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 virus is still out there? It's still deadly. Um, And to me, in the back of my head, sort of somewhere—not in the back of my head. It's I'm very conscious of it. Is that there's a lot of vulnerable people out there who still need restrictions because they have issues. Um, their own healthcare issues and I'm just worried for how they're feeling around these changes happening so quickly and so drastically that everything has just changed overnight there on Friday but uh, but yeah the, they're phasing out the, uh, the wage subsidy schemes which uh, some of the employers are complaining about which you know you don't yeah, it, we expect it from many of them. But uh, by April, they should have all of the su- subsidy, the wage subsidy schemes phased out. And it says it has cost 10 billion to date, which is not really true either. Like, because the money that those people earn, the vast majority of them is going back into the economy, but we never. We never hear about some, any of that stuff. So it's you know if you see an increase in excise duty or VAT or any of that sort of stuff, it's that money coming back in. So
1: well, not- I mean, you know, it's the it's the main reason why kind of uh, like income tax income and and other forms of the taxation didn't it didn't collapse. I mean, they can talk about kind of corporation tax kind of bumps like all they want, but there was no kind of cliff edge in terms of like income tax kind of intakes. You know, for that yeah. reason.
0: Yeah, but it's a great headline figure to put out there. Um, Ten billion is costing us. Who's yeah. going to pay for all of this stuff? You know, well, they—they're paying for themselves because it's coming back at you in another form. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it's—it's it's just an interesting weekend, and I suppose we—I felt we had to touch on it that the, that the restrictions are now over and we're throwing everybody back into society. Yeah,
1: like, you you know? know, it's going like you know, it, it's treating like it's going back to normal, which means that, like in terms of you know, kind of planning. Um, anyone who is not um uh, a healthy white male is just not part of the planning, mm. you know. Um, you know, like going mm. back like it it it, it were going back to normal, which means on the Garden's kind of train lines, uh, the vast majority of, of lifts for kind of disabled access not working. Yeah. You know I mean yeah. like you know, like two years and, and you know, so like it's like it's not it's this is what means like going back the, 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 that's normal again going back to the point it, that we made that the purpose of of um of the Colohan and and the Paul Reed was to hold the line that was it hold the line in terms of any any demands for genuine construction change that mm-hmm. like you had kind of Leo uh, paying kind of lip service to it saying that we need to have um. You know, more kind of beds, and we need to have like a living wage, and blah blah blah. Um, but it's it's just kind of lip service, you know. Mm. They yeah. they they've gotten through this, and their talk of like more beds was just outsourcing to the private sector, you know, mm. because they 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 don't want to actually have to increase kind of capacity.
2: You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'll go to you for the next story if you want. I have one lined up, but I'll I'll hold off
2: and wait. If you got anything um, else you want to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, like uh, there's there's two kind of smallish ones and then there's a large there's another story that I think is worth kind of um, spending some time on and it's inflation and just the whole debate that's happening now. But the smaller ones is that there's one from again on the cover of the Sunday business post, uh, Ryan intervenes directly in senseless Shannon LNG plan. And it's, and it's about kind of that Eamon Ryan has written to um, on and Panale. Saying that the Shannon um, LNG should not be committed under any kind of circumstances. Now, this is by Daniel Murray and Anikilian Woods. So, I may have to r- roll back on my on my kind of uh, on my g- gushing of love for Achillian there, because um, this is actually this is a this is spin, and it shouldn't be on the front page, and it should not have been phrased as it is now. Aiden Ryan has written to Unborkantunale to say that um, that the Shannon can LNG is not part of the. It goes against the uh, program for government, and that it shouldn't go ahead. If it goes against the program for government, he shouldn't be writing to the to He should be bringing it to cabinet mm. <laughs> and saying this, this is not going ahead, lads. This is against kind of program for government, mm. and it's like why is. A government minister and a, and a party leader who signed and negotiated a program for government. Why is he kicking it to touch to a third party kind of, um, you know, entity saying that this should go ahead. This shouldn't go ahead under any kind of circumstances. He's a government minister Bring it to cabinet. What's going on here is that Eamon Ryan, who still thinks that he's a private citizen um has written too important to and all that when he's a government minister he can actually bring it to a cabinet and, and get the stops but instead of doing that he goes for the headline and the spin is going oh here's and you know kind of fighting our, 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 our corner they could bring in legislation that's his job you know so um,
2: this is our
1: <laughs> haven't spent haven't spent kind of so long saying oh can was when it was gone I don't know now, killing, you know. Like, you know. <laughs> you're,
0: back, you're back up against the wall.
1: Um, back up against no. the wall here now, yeah. So. <laughs>
0: no, the, uh, the, this, is, this is what lobbying looks like in reverse. <laughs> this is a government minister, um, party leader and signatory to the, go- <laughs> the programme for government um, asking someone else to do his job for him. Could you please yeah. ban this or make sure that this doesn't go ahead? Because I can't yeah. actually convince the lads at Cabinet that, that they signed the same piece of paper I did. For- yeah. Farcical, um, so, just just one story, and I, I, I know you probably yeah. have observations on this one. But uh, a US firm may seek to run schemes for job seekers. Um, in yesterday's Irish Times or the weekend's Irish Times page eleven, and um, this is about a, a large US government contractor um, called Maximus. They're a multinational. They're massive, absolutely massive, um, and they're running uh, Medicaid and Medicare um, systems in in the UK. Is it is that movie and I can't remember, or just off the top of my head. Um, I Daniel Blake is that was that the name of it? Mm. Do you remember that, that movie? Um, just it, when I was reading this yesterday, that movie came into mind about you know people being prevented from obtaining their social welfare entitlements because. It's almost like the pre-existing conditions in, 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 in private healthcare. It's like, no, well, you can't because of the f- trying to find reasons to exclude you. So these multinational companies come in, take over the, the job seeker forums, um, and they get bonuses and benefits from making the, the figures look lower or actually creating a lower figure by excluding people from their entitlements. So, it, I mean, this stuff is exceptionally worrying. Um, for me, when, when you read through it. Um, it says here that the multinational Maximus set up a subsidiary in Ireland in March 2020, uh, company records are showing, when the company applied to register in Ireland, it initially did so under the name of Busbury, which it then changed to Maximus Health and Human Services Ireland. So I always have suspicions about anyone that refers to human services or human resources. I just don't. I think it's totally dehumanising to actually just call us service or resource. Um, but you're going to love this bit, Connor. That the uh, the address of the company is Arthur Cox. Um, so Arthur Cox are the guys helping these guys set up companies here and it could be for multiple reasons but they have already reached out to local development networks seeking which are but in the past the, the local development networks who r- ran these systems they, they were all run on a non-profit basis uh, but they've reached out to them to 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 these local development networks to see if they'll partner up with them effectively to bring this stuff in and um, the only response so far in this is um People Before Profit, Paul Murphy, saying that this would confirm the worst fears for community employment groups about the privatization of local services. And this is a big red flag. And I was contacted last night by an activist who sent me on a link to a website about this company called, the website is MaximusAccountability.org. And they've they've run a campaign called Maxi Mess. And uh, it just shows this company is just a rogue company making money everywhere. And they've even lost their contract in Kansas in the United States for... Uh, continued failure is the quote uh, in, in in terms of the outcomes and also Maximus lobbying against transparency proposals in the United States. So these are not the type of companies we want to be bringing into our social welfare system, but with everything else being privatised, it would be a big concern of mine that this is going to go somewhere. So, of, you wanted to move on to an inflation-based story, I think.
1: Well, just one more. Like it's on, but like again, uh, part of the, this the. The, the kind of roller coaster ride that has been this show in terms of like Killian Woods. Uh, he's, back in, <laughs> he's, back the <laughs> he's back in
0: he's back in the good books.
1: He's back in my good books now. <laughs> um, uh, the, the Killian has um you know started here kind of DCC Health expansion of Amazon you know data center in North Kent Dublin. So uh, so my God it, it's been it's been quite a journey now with, yeah, just with Killian. But like you know but like um it, well, the like Dublin City Council has told the web retail giant that it must provide a, a large amount of additional literature to prove that granting permission for the new facility would not create an overconcentration of facilities in the area. So, it shows that um, there seems to be, at an institutional kind of um, you know kind of uh, state level, there seems to be some kickback in terms of the of the data centers, something again that that we've been saying here is that regardless of the, you know, of the arguments that are made, the, oh, well, data has to be you know, helping us somewhere. We don't have the infrastructure here. Mm. You know, it, it doesn't matter about all the kind of tech bros saying, oh, this is the future. Like, I, I, I don't care. We don't have the infrastructure. Mm. We don't have the, the, the like setup. It is in everything, they, everything else is just mute. They are moot points. We don't have it. Um, did you see that article like during the week that, um, the vast majority of the, um, increase in, in kind of electricity, uh, you know, usage in, 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 the last kind of five, six years has, has been down exclusively to kind of data centers. And he employed 20, 30 people. You know, it, yeah. it like each one at best. You know, yeah. so um, so fair play, D Killian. This is it's it, it, it's been quite the ride, but you're back in the good books there anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and then finally, like like one of, that I do think is worth kind of maybe kind of you know having just a few minutes on. you um, know that we're getting close to the hour, but like um, it's inflation and inflation is is back on the agenda again, and um, it's something, mm-hmm. Dog that I can talk about that, that inflation, it's inflation is, is, is class war and not in the way that it's kind of put forward by your, um, you know, uh, who's the, who's the guy who's the largest, um, most popular podcast, Joe Rogan, all, all those guys, wherever, you know, he talk about kind of inflation and fiat money and all that kind of mm-hmm. nonsense. Um. There's an article here by Dan White. Um, I cut it from the newspaper. I think it's the is the Business Post. It could be the Asindo. Uh, Sorry, I just cut out the articles because it's easier than, than having all the newspapers. Um, but like, but but Dan Wright had uh, Dan White had, has written, I have to say, pretty awful, really, really terrible kind of article here, saying could these dreadful figures mean extra pay rises and more inflation, what's that line about that anytime you see a question like in the headline, um, they're not asking the question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he's saying that these congel figures mean extra pay rises and market inflation. When I say that, just before we get into his analysis, it's, that is just shit, right? It's just, it is just shit. And I'll go into why it's shit, you know, they just asked this. But the reason why, like I'd argue and have done, and again, have you know, have written a book about it but in terms of money, but like, why can kind of inflation, I would say is like class wars, that um, if you've got pr- prices rising, um, there are two broad ways of kind of dealing with this, how to deal with this. One is to sack millions of people, which is what happened. In the 1980s, and that was the Volcker kind of shock. Um, and that's your attack on wages and keeping the wages low. Another one is it began price controls. Um, so if you look at um, in the, in the business post, they have a small kind of news item about uh, like inflation saying that the figures show that diesel prices rose by 36% at petrol prices by, by, by twenty two percent, home home heat and oil by fifty three percent, like electricity by by twenty two point four percent, and gas by twenty eight percent. So how do you tackle that? How do you tackle those kind of price rises? When you when you put in price caps, you bring in kind of price caps that will actually stop those those prices from from rising. That hits profits though. So then profit profit has to take a hit. But, um the alternative is the one that that' not surprisingly Ibeck is, is arguing for, and Dan White, despite his, <laughs> his weak attempt to put it forward as a question it's also what kind of Dan white is arguing here as for says no who' should you take a hit workers should hmm. and uh, uh, and wages that's class four someone has to take a, someone has to take a hit here it could be profits in terms of those investors in in gas kind of speculation in terms of uh, diesel uh, like airfares rents and uh, mortgages mm. um, they can take a hit or workers can let take a hit that's class struggle that yes. is just down straight that's straight away someone's got to lose out here is it going to be profit or, or is it going to be workers and what they're putting forward here is well we, we make sure that it's workers, like
2: yeah.
1: going back to the Dan White kind of article here. He says, um where's the line here? Um, I've missed. Oh sorry. Um, oh, sorry. Oh yeah. 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 Um, he says, uh, so are we in a period of sustained inflation or something of a more temporary nature? So we're saying that is this something that you know that you know are we looking at it, it like more inflation for the, the line? The ECB is saying that this is temporary. And they're saying no, no, it's a problem. And as evidence that you that it's more constructural, he's, you know, he quotes the IBEC director of lobbying. I saw Fergal that o- <laughs> <laughs> O'Brien, It's yeah. definitely feeling a bit like two thousand and two, says yeah. IBEC a director of lobbying Ergo <laughs> O'Brien. Do I have to go any further?
2: <laughs> <sighs>
0: Fucking hell. Director of lobbying. I spotted that, but he was the former economist with IBEX. So now he's not an economist anymore. I think. I could be wrong on that. Now, but, yeah. But, but yeah.
1: So like, you know, if you look into, like, so we had, like in the, like in the business post, they say what's causing kind of inflation, you know, it, 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 what's causing kind of like inflation. None of it is down to wages. None of it is down to to wage costs. This is petrol prices, airfares, home heat and oil, electricity, gas, rents. These are not being caused by, uh, by wages. Dan White seems to think uh, that it is. He says that according to the CSO, uh, the price of housing, water, gas, and other fuels uh, rose by... 11.8%, while mortgage interest prices uh, rose by just 2.8%. These figures would seem to, uh, to indicate that higher, the higher housing costs are making only a modest that kind of contribution, and that, if, that with labour in a short supply, employers are having to pay their employees more. They, in turn, are charging their, their customers more, hence the higher service prices, childcare, restaurant meals, etc. The higher service prices, childcare and restaurant meals are not what is causing inflation according to the CSO. The CSO told us it's home heat and oil, it's rents, it's diesel prices, it is electricity and it's gas. So you can fuck off. They're trying to make an argument that, 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 that this is caused by, by, mm. by those famously, famously high wage Rates in childcare and in the um, service sector, mm. like the yeah. lowest, the lowest, the lowest um, wage rates we have in the state are in these sectors.
2: Mm.
1: And he's trying to make out that that's what's causing, it like, it, 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 like inflation. Even the CSO tells us that the inflation has been imported. Mm. It's, it's by goods that are not made here that are being imported. Mm. Yeah.
0: But they need. To, they need. They're going to need a sacrifice, and there's there's certainly it something going to, on.
1: It, it goes back to this is class struggle, and one side understands that is class struggle. Either profits take a hit, or workers take a hit. Mm. That's it. And they're go, and, and and they're and they're saying here, well, it won't be profits, lads. We're still going to make profits. You know, yeah. like you know, like like they tries to make it like in another part of it, they try to make out that um. This is the Sindel tries to make out that, that the housing crisis will soon be over because, um, because, you know, because people, because houses, it, they become kind of more kind of affordable. It, it, it like in the future, not kind of making out that the houses that, that are being built are being built for rent. Um, and, and that those who are buying up houses in the main, are the international kind of investors who have extremely kind of deep cut kind of pockets. Mm. They're still trying to make out that house prices in Ireland are being driven by ordinary couples buying houses. Mm. Those days that ended. That's that hasn't been the case for, for three, four years now. It's the multinationals who are who are coming in and that was government policy. So for so but then white and for the head of lobbying, they're not even hiding it. <laughs> like Fergald O'Brien, to try and make out like let's let's call what's happening here as it is. Let's call spade a spade here. This is class struggle. Pick aside, do you want more profits or do you want higher wages? Mm. And we need and we need kind of higher wages or price controls. Yeah. So yeah. they're gonna bring they can bring in kind of price controls and that will kill inflation. Bring in kind of price controls. But no.
0: No. They won't. And and there's certainly something going on in in, in the media just looking at three or four, probably more in the papers that I've read – separate articles, but related in their own way as well. So, like I mentioned the front page of the Business Post um, and the removal of wage subsidy schemes, and uh, Pascal O'Donoghue is quoted in that saying, we expect a big surge in spending. And um, There's an article by in yesterday's paper by Cliff Taylor, yesterday's Irish Times, saying, economy now set for surge in growth as restrictions lift. And this, the whole premise is that people are sitting on an awful lot of money, ordinary workers um, that they haven't been able to spend and now we're all just going to go flooding into the bars and into the restaurants and everything and just spend a a fortune i i'm not in that situation and i don't know many people that are uh but but then you know contrast that to a degree with the story that came out during the week but it's in today's business post as well billionaires grew wealth during pandemic ireland's nine billionaires became richer to the tune of 18.3 billion since the start of the pandemic so is it is there any chance that perhaps lads there's a certain group of people that have all these savings built up and it, it's not ordinary workers for the most part. Um, but it's this, this story on the billionaires is in relation to an Oxf- Oxfam report that came out during the week. Um, and in the Sunday times today, um, and you have to admire the the gumption of this one, right. And the, the brass neck, um, but in the, there's a pullout, the pullout section, the business money section of the Sunday times. And, um, Wealth tax may take shine off gold-plated pensions, right? And this is the Irish Tax Institute, uh, who in the article they explain, we're opposed to wealth taxes. We don't want them, right? Fair enough. They're putting their hands up and saying, this is our position. But if you're going to have a wealth tax, you must include public servants' gold-plated pensions, which is what it's quoted as here. Um, And my reading of this is, it's a really smart move from the Institute and um, they want the civil servants and public servants to be completely opposed to any sort of wealth tax because they're opposed to the wealth tax. So instead of actually discussing what a wealth tax would look like, they're just lumping the pensions of the people who get to decide whether there's going to be wealth tax in as well so that they, they're opposed to it too. So we can't have access to any sort of a wealth tax whatsoever. And then the focus at the end of the article is in Sinn Féin, who is a long... Time advocate of wealth taxes, although not on people's homes, he says. In, in an alternative budget prepared by finance spokesperson uh, Pierce Starkey last year, he said one percent flat tax on individuals' net wealth in excess of one million would be worth one hundred and twenty-nine million for the year per year for the Exchequer. There's there's even more sensational figures um, that I read during the week. I can't remember them off the top of my head. If you were to bring in a, a proper wealth tax on on um, on some of the highest earners, but I, I I couldn't let this moment pass as well, because right above that article is um, a piece by Niall Brady. Uh, Workers flex their muscle is the headline on it. And a good friend of mine is referenced in the opening paragraphs and throughout the article. But Cathy McLaughlin, who's a Dunn Stores worker who is on the Dunn Stores Committee in Mandate Trade Union, Um it is quoted and he was interviewing her about you know done Stores giving them a, a pay increase and of course Cathy put him straight and said the pay increase wasn't just handed to, to us from nowhere uh, said McLaughlin who works as a checkout operator in Duddaw County Louth anything we got we had to fight for and um, and she she you know she said it has made a huge difference the temp, they got a mm. Dun's workers have got a ten percent pay increase she said has made a huge difference lots of my colleagues are struggling to pay bills after rent and house price increases along with fuel increases um, but. The article. The premise of this article is that it's a it's a workers' market, and because of that, the labor shortages are meaning that employers are having to give over ten and twenty percent pay increases. But that's not the case. No. People are winning pay increases. Yes, there is an impact of uh, from having a labor shortage. Right, it does influence. It's a pull factor in one direction. But the thing that really. You know, it doesn't annoy me about the article in particular, but it's that perception that employers are just handing over pay increases willy-nilly? It's not; these workers fought for it. They had protests. Mm-hmm. They had. They had. I, I spoke about it last week, but yeah, it's it's interesting that now the media is is going down this road of the big. They're not saying as a threat, but it's saying that they're. It says even large quotes pull out quotes that are in it. Labor supply will remain tight, Um so they're 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 anticipating. Uh, as you say about the class struggle, certain classes are anticipating la- labor, excuse me, shortages for the foreseeable future, uh, and as a result, pay increases and as a result, inflation. And they're making their argument, going back to, right back to where you started. They're making their arguments about how you curb that before uh, workers lose the run of themselves and start getting paid decent wages.
1: Yeah, you know, just you know, it goes back to just you know. Just we get all that kind of uh Max Kaiser, uh Joe Rogan crap around kind of fiat money and you know, get, 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 get like inflation and buy gold and Bitcoin, just, just, just all that kind of nonsense. This is class struggle in a different it, it, like this is about who who pays for the inflation. Mm-hmm. Do you pay it through like um and it can be done through uh price caps, which will hit profits. Or do you uh corp wages and like what they mean by the corbing kind of wages is not curbing individual wages. They mean in the aggregate to curb wages, and what they mean by that is to make hundreds of thousands of people unemployed. Mm. And that's and that's what because that, because that's how you so-called kill, and el- el- inflation is true. It's not true wage cuts. It's true unemployment because it's an it's a it's a it's a kind of system work kind of strategy, and you need huge kind of unemployment for it it's, it's what Thatcher did in the 1980s and it's what uh, Paul kind of, Volker did under kind of Reagan in the late 70s as, as well uh, just to just to, just to make, kind of, finish up just on my because I have to get this just off my chest <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which may seem strange just given all the writing yeah, it, 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 like I do but um, the Sunken Independent has a photograph from the from the grave digger on its cover the grave pub was do you know her all? Do you, do
0: you? Oh, yeah. I used to have my lunch there every day, nearly.
1: It's a lovely pub, you know. Mm. I haven't been there now It in, in, in like years, but it has it has a photograph of what I would see as hell. And it's basically a bunch of um, Pound Shop, Mumford & Son lads, um, Guinness bars, singing songs in the fucking Grave Digger. Oh, I, yeah I would that, that to me is hell there's a great kind of photograph just in the photograph there's one guy in the corner uh, forming a fist in his hand just staring into the glass going shower the fuckers and that's me because um <laughs> Because, because that would be help. There's nothing I hate more than than Guinness bars. If like it's a mass-produced product, and they try and make out that oh, the Guinness is better. than This boy, fuck off, lads. Mm. <laughs> you know. Anyway, well, sorry. Just, just-,
0: just on that, grave There's no singing or uh, music allowed in the grave so they must have just made an exemption <laughs> yesterday for for the photograph to be taken. I don't know if you're aware of that, but I've been in there when. Um, Glenn Hansard for once one, one time tried to sing a song and they, they threatened to throw him out so they don't allow it
1: <laughs> Oh, maybe maybe they're just laughing in a very strong Mumford and Son way and that and that has and that's kind of shown me but no yeah. just you know a Guinness Bars just they Oh, it's a pet just, my-
0: just, just just I went for breakfast <laughs> yesterday morning uh with the family um up in our local pub and uh, it was what twelve o'clock maybe I say breakfast or brunch or whatever you want to call it these days. But uh there's two elflas sitting at the bar for the first time in two years they had cheers Mm. at the bar and they were (laughs) I say elflas like either 60s or 70s and they're getting each other to take photographs of themselves sitting at the bar for the first time in two years loving life Um, the last story I wanted to cover and we'll cover it more in depth hopefully next week but there is in the weekend review of the Irish Times there's a a big piece about Bloody Sunday 50 years on and the front page article is Fintan O'Toole and there's um, as much as I can have problems with fitness hills, so right on occasion. On this one, there's a couple of bits that I I found really interesting in the, in the article. Um, and he talks about I'm, I'm sure the listeners all know about Bloody Sunday, so I'm not going to go reviewing exactly what happened and all the rest of it. But a um, couple of quote pull out quotes from him on this one was. It's worth noting that almost half of the fatalities were technically and legally children. Deliberately or otherwise, the soldiers targeted boys who would never get to become men. But what I found really interesting about the article, um, and he talks about what we saw on uh, on the back of Bloody Sunday, was ruling class solidarity. Um, he's talking about the widgery report, for example, uh, to the way the establishment dealt with the victims of the Hillsborough football ground disaster in England in, in 1989. He said the events were radically different, except in the fact that a lot of working class people died as a result of recklessness recklessness of the authorities. But the very basic response was the same. Blame the victims, blacken their names, exonerate the guilty and close ranks. And I, I it's a very good piece of writing around that stuff because it's exactly what it is. What's missing there is the you know he's addressing the north of ireland he's talking about the uk and he left out the stardust which was exactly the same strategy as well and i found it interesting that he didn't reference something that happened in the republic of ireland um around that period of time as well uh, 70s and 80s completely um, not that it was deliberate, I'm not saying it is, but that is exactly what happened in that situation as well. Um, ruling class solidarity, which is still ongoing and we're still waiting for the investigation or the, the inquiry and all the rest to happen. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll cover some of that next week. I think we've probably run out of time. Yeah, out. I
1: mean, like, like I don't want to comment on the Irish Times because, you know, fuck the the, 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 the Irish Times, fucking an anti-trans, you know, can rat, uh, rag, but like, that's a disgraceful comment from McFindle too. Um, I think that is that is disgusting. Um, there is no comparison with the intent of like Buddy Sunday and what it was protecting and the and like Killsborough. He is trying to conflate one that was actually a, like part of it in terms of the British kind of involvement in the North uh, in terms of the history of that in terms of partition in terms of the nature of the union state, of what was being kind of protected, and then he's trying to conflate that as if it's on a par with. And this this now sounds like I'm trying to kind of belittle kind of Hillsborough. Uh, 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 like I'm not. He is belittling the the import of bloody Sunday. Led like the, like there's a comment in I think in the episode Post today saying that. The war could have ended in 1972 if, like, Buddy hadn't happened. Like, 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 we, like, like, that's, you cannot downplay the effect of the, of that mass murder, mm. of a civil rights march. Civil rights, it killed civil rights as, um, you know, quite literally, sorry, but like, like, not even kind of, not even kind of metaphorically. He's trying to re- he's trying to write out the imperial nature of the british state in ireland by like, conflating it with uh, with his go yeah you uh, uh, not look, look, can go he can go fuck himself i mean like <laughs> i mean that is just like i mean how dare he? Yeah, like how I, I, dare I, he do that it's not the same it's not, not the same as just
0: just to clarify and i did say this at the start but he did say they were radically different events um, he's not then
1: why them then why did he then why did he carry on <laughs> I,
0: I, I, I think what he's saying here is not about what happened on the day it's the class of people who covered it up is what he's talking about I, I, I,
1: again it's again I, it's completely different again yeah, I, it's, it's just they are you cannot compare them they are the, at, at the most superficial level they they, 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 they are the same that is, a, that is a terrible it's a terrible terrible lazy um just horrible kind of, you know, kind of analysis and and, and point from, from kind of Inland too, to, to expunge, to, to take out off Bloody Sunday, Mm. the, the, the the colonial and imperial and historical partition, the role of the Irish state in all of this, Um, you know, the the collusion that, that went on, the three and a half thousand deaths, that followed in its wake, um, just well, see, everything, everything see. else that, that that went on. The the problem, the, unlike Hillsborough, Free Derry was a part of what they would call the UK, where the British could not enter. Hmm. They had no control over it. It was an independent statelet in in the UK. It had to be crushed. And they fucking did it. Well, they tried to, but like, and they used the most brutal. They they used everything to crush it. I'm not taking away from like Hillsborough, but Hillsborough wasn't trying to set up an independent state in fucking. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's a, like even even to even to engage with his kind of comparison and basically, yeah, fuck the Irish Times. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, just on that because you've you've raised a valid point here on on this um, on the side of that is that only. A week and a half ago, uh, there was a a finding uh, uh, that the police in the North failed to warn murder victims about threats. The collusion that you just mentioned um, about uh, the Ulster Defence Association. And I don't remember anything being covered in in the southern media last week about the uh, findings of collusion in the North involved Mm. in multiple assassinations and um, massacres of, of people, and as it says, even Sinn Féin councillors um, were, were threats on their lives that the RUC knew about and didn't warn them. So, yeah, it, I mean, it, we can cover Bloody Sunday, and one of these things that frustrates me, and there's, I have lots of problems with this article by Fint O'Toole, um, you know, it, it's almost saying in parts of it that it... It, he's been critical of the fight back against the British on the back of Bloody Sunday. That it gave ammunition, effectively, to the to the IRA, which it did do. Um, it gave them um, an opportunity to 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 embolden themselves and all that. And then, but look, there's there's problems with it. But where was he last week? W- what was his article about? I didn't see it. I'm not 100 percent sure. And
1: but the other I didn't- thing here, though, like yeah, and then like he's not mentioned Ballymurphy either. Yeah. And Bally Murphy was 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 just was like, but with timeline, it, it 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 like you know it's off. But it was kind of it was it was weeks coming beforehand, you yeah. know. Yeah. So it's, so was it's Bally Murphy, Was that also going kind to of Hillsborough then as well? You know what I mean? Like you know, like it's just. Fuck the Irish Times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right on that note I think we've uh, We've gone way over our time uh, I want to thank uh My co-host Connor McCabe again And I uh Thank you for listening And again Once once again If you have the means To support us On this podcast Please do so At patreon.com forward slash Left block And uh, please do share This podcast With your friends And we'll hopefully get a I'm going up to Derry During the week So hopefully we'll get A, a couple of interviews up there uh, if possible and cover us a little bit more in depth next week um thanks again
2: see you all next week
3: and and it was connor it was great it was great to see sharon kind of uh put that out there and we're very um uh you know grateful thankful for it And, and i think you know i think our approach to the trade unionism has kind of um injected a lot of people's um confidence and spirit you know you can't take on employers and there's been a number of wins i think already since she's been in and uh, and you know that's 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 effective and that's important obviously and hopefully that can
1: can well you know like you know like you know it's a bit you know it's a you know it's unusual kind of these days to see someone and it's the lady days but to see someone who's actually walking the walk you Mm. know i mean she made all these promises said all these things and so far she is kind of sticking to them you know Mm. And um, and yeah, like that kind of idea that politics, laws, rights, these things matter and these things hold back trade unions and we need more trade union rights. And that means kind of getting involved in the, you know, that means dealing with dealing with politicians, if not backing them, so to speak. But it doesn't mean kind of engaging in the whole the, in the
3: process. I think the problem that I understood from Sharon Graham's sort of take on was that there's an obsession from some treaty about the Labour Party yeah, and yeah. just the, the shifting of the top table uh, and yeah, the sole focus yeah. or the prim- primary, uh, primary focus rather being about, you know, who's in charge of, of the Labour Party. Uh, mm-hmm. But I agree, obviously, you know, I think laws are important. Um, obviously, I would say that being an MLA, but, you know, it's... it's <laughs> What law? What laws are passed? You know what I mean. Uh, what laws are prioritized And yeah. going
1: back to well, your man on on, on the guy's Twitter, you know, he he agrees as well. Like you know, so I, I need to check him out. I don't know who he is, but I'll oh for him. Jesus' <laughs> sake, like he has me heartbroken. Does
3: give do a few shout outs for you, Jerry? You have you have a big following
0: on the building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, favorites. Yeah, Con- Connor might not notice, but he's, he's actually much bigger on Instagram. So don't join Instagram, Connor, if you're not on. Oh, uh, No,
1: no, like that. No, I'm just way too old for that. Like,
0: uh, he's got, I think he's got 40,000 people following him or something there. So 40,000. Anyway. And yeah, that's a so fact. That's, that's a, a fact. fact. Uh, it's not the 40, law, but it's a fact. Um, listen, uh, just Jerry, thanks uh, for coming on again. Um, uh, we'll wrap it up on that bit. Um, one of the things we've been arguing for within on this show what I've been arguing for in this show and a, a, a other meetings that I've attended is the three things in terms of making a, a difference for trade unions make it easier to join trade unions make it easier for trade unions to collectively bargain and make it easier for workers to take industrial action and your bill seems to do all three of those so it's a step forward and it's it's, a, it's an advancement that's desperately needed uh, in the north but desperately needed down south as well so fair play to you I want to thank you for putting the bill in and, and thank you for joining uh, the show and, and discussing it today and um, this has been the week at work uh thanks again jerry thanks michelle and thanks connor for joining me too and we'll talk to you all again soon